Okay, so we're in this series on why Jesus, and it's about, you know, who Jesus is and why we need him. And the first week in the series was, we need him for light. Uh, He says he's the light of the world. The second week of the series was, we need him for freedom. He says, um, it's for freedom that Christ came to set us free. And this week, we're talking about peace. Um, We need Jesus for peace. And... um, You know, we had a bit of a tumultuous week this week. Um, Just some random things happened, like, you know, finding Shiloh on the footpath just around the corner. (laughs) Man, they're quick. They are quick. She can't even walk, and she wanted to go to the park by herself. That's okay. Um, And then one of the mornings, you know, waking up out of, you know, hearing Rose, like, scream and, and getting up and running out of bed and running into the living room, I'm like, what? <laughs> and Shiloh had pulled the, this glass lamp onto herself and then onto the floor and it shattered and she'd cut her finger. And, um, and then the amazing thing about that was that she was okay, but that I ran through this um, pathway of glass and I didn't even know it was there because by the time I got into the living room, I had no idea something had broken. And then she's like, yeah, look there. And I'm like, hang on a sec, I just ran through all that. And not a piece of glass in my foot, thank God, because that was incredible. There was glass everywhere. Um, But that that all happened an hour after I'd gotten home from the uh, Westmead Emergency Department, and I was there for 10 hours for just something that was nothing. Um, But, you know, I'm the guy. I'm the guy to speak about peace this morning. Okay? So give it up for me. (laughs) But, you know, let's give it up for Jesus as well. God, we thank you that you're here, and we thank you in you we have peace, and we thank you for the light of your word, that as we open it up this morning, you'd encourage us, you'd speak to us, you'd set us free, and God, we'd leave with just an injection of peace, of clarity, of truth, and that we can walk into whatever storm we're facing and have that trust and have that peace and have that faith to speak to that storm and command it to cease. God, I pray you bless everyone here this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, so I am a bit of a like history war, history buff, but only in terms of war. Uh, I find it interesting, especially kind of World War II. And um, I was probably the youngest person to ever go and do a World War II tour with a historian um, in Normandy. But it was something that, and I probably got a bit obsessed with it at the time, but that was about six or seven years ago. But I find it quite fascinating. Um, and there's this story in, um, in, uh, that comes out of World War II about this Japanese soldier called Hiro Inoda. Um, I don't know if anyone's heard this story. It's quite a remarkable story. I'm gonna, there he is right there, good old Hiro Inoda. And um, Japan, obviously... Germany was at war and Japan was at war and the Allies were trying to defeat them both. And in the Japanese theatre, um, you know, America and its Allies were trying to defeat Japan and Japan surrenders in September 1945. And eight months before Japan surrenders, Onoda is sent into the war. He's aged 22 and he's sent to the Philippines, um, to the island of Lubang. And he's there for eight months before the, w- the war ends. And the war ends on the 2nd of September 1945. And he's an intelligence officer, and he's trained in 
guerrilla tactics. So he goes into the forest and, you know, that's his style of warfare that he's been trained in. Um, and he survives on a diet of stolen rice, coconuts and cattle, like slaughtered by, you know, uh, nighttime raids that he'd, he'd undertake on different farms. In 1945, the war ends. And Anoda, he, he notices that there's a bit of a lull in the fighting, but he doesn't know that the war's over. He doesn't know that Japan's surrendered. He's up in the mountains with a few of his guys and he's got no idea. So he continues with the war. Um, from time to time, he'll kill local farmers and he'll kill, um, you know, Filipinos who come in his path. Um, he'll engage in shootouts with local police because, as far as he's concerned, the war's still on. And... Um, the, the Americans who won the war find out that there are still these, this small group of Japanese soldiers who are holdouts. You know, they, they don't, either don't know or don't believe that the war's over and they're still causing havoc on this Philippine, Filipino island. And so the US makes these flyers and one of them is going to come up on the screen. Um, I'll, I'm going to read it out if we can just get it up. It's... it's um, uh, and that, in Japanese, means the war is over. <laughs> Japan surrendered, the war is over, come out. Um, and I hope no one recorded that because it sounded nothing like the Japanese version. But they drop all these leaflets, often trying to get these guys out of the forest. And Inoda's like, nah, he, he cannot believe that Japan would have surrendered. He's so hardcore and he's so steadfast in, in what he believes that, you know, he's there and he's been commanded, you don't leave until you're either killed or your commanding officer tells you to leave. That's what he was trained to do. So he's, he's staying there. Um, he comes across leaflets like this and he, he dismisses it as propaganda. He's been trained, he's an, an intelligence officer, so he's trained to be sceptical. So he looks at it, nah. He looks at different things and goes, no, nah, this isn't real. And this is all a fabrication just to get us out so that they can kill us. More leaflets towards the end of 1945, um, including one from, the, from a Japanese general. Um, again, they're looking at these leaflets that supposedly have good news on them, but they're like, nah, this isn't true. They, they get their family members to come and with loudspeakers outside the forest pleading with him to come out and he still won't because he thinks it's all a setup. And he continues his terror, you know, from time to time, shootouts, killing people and um, people, the, the guys who were with him, this small group, they start dying over the years as well. One guy, Akatsu, this is 1949, four years after the war's ended and um, he, he actually surrenders and goes and hands himself in to the Filipino army. Um, and then he basically informs the US government and the Philippines um, what's going on and they, they really don't believe that the war's over. And so again, more leaflets get airdropped and they're trying all these different things to get them out, but they still assume it's all a setup. Next two decades, he's there, right? And it's tough, like these guys, you know, one of his mates get sh gets shot by a Filipino police officer Another one's killed by sickness. And meanwhile, in Japan, people are hearing about Anoda and they're fascinated. 
they're fascinated that this guy is so determined and um, so disciplined that he's, he's still fighting on. And there's this one guy called Nor- Norio Suzuki who's so fascinated, he makes it his life mission to go and find him in the jungle. So Suzuki heads over there looking for Onara and he's an adventurer and he makes it his mission to find him and he does. And um, he asks him, you know, why haven't you come out? And he's like, well, I won't come out until my commanding officer comes and relieves me of my duties. And um, so Suzuki goes back to Japan and goes, look, you know, this guy's not going to come out until we get his commanding officer out there. And his commanding officer has obviously left the army like two decades ago. He's a bookseller. And so they go and they track him down and they get him dressed up in his uniform and they take him back there and they say, you need to go into that forest and get Onada out. So he does. And um, his commanding officer, Taniguchi, flies to Lubang, goes into the forest and um, there's a picture of Onodo actually coming out of the jungle um, in 1974. 1974. 29 years after the end of the war. He emerges from the jungle. 29 years after the end of the war. Is that not the craziest thing you've ever heard? Man, this guy. The war ended eight months after he landed there. And there was peace for 28 years of that period. Yet he was still engaged in a war. He was fighting a battle that had already been won. He's fighting a battle that had already been won. And instead of living in peace and living at home, he's living anxiously, he's living in terror, he's living hunted, he's living defensive, he's living on the offence, trying to protect himself, he's living paranoid. For 27 years more than he should have been, he's living anxious rather than at peace because he's fighting a battle that had ended a long time ago. And I read this story and I thought, what about us? How many of us are engaged in a war that ended a long time ago? Real similarities between Anoda and us. Think about the first us, <laughs> Adam, in the Garden of Eden. His peace, he's, he's walking with God and his peace is interrupted, just like Anoda's was. His peace is interrupted by sin. And, you know, he eats the piece of fruit, his peace is gone. All of a sudden, there's this disconnect between him and God. There's this, in a sense, there's this war between him and God now. There's a war, there's unrest, there's disconnect, there's division. And the first thing he does is sows fig leaves. It's incredible. 
thought, you know, Adam came up with camouflage. <laughs> you know, the things you see soldiers in, the things Anoda was wearing. He was still in his uniform 29 years later, by the way. That camouflage was invented by Adam, our ancestor. He realises peace is lost, and the first thing he does is retreats into the trees, the Bible says, and he covers himself, he hides, he camouflages himself. And rightly so, in a way, because he's banished, the Bible says. He's banished from the garden because of this war that now exists between God and man. And worse than that, not only is he at war with God, but he's at war with Eve. And he's at war with the people around him now. And in Genesis 3, chapter 15, God says, look, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. So not only is there enmity between him and God, now there's enmity between him and Eve and everyone else. This is not a good place for Adam to be in. He has a similar experience to Anoda because leaflets start being dropped. <laughs> leaflets. Every few years, a leaflet is dropped. They've been compiled in this. All over the Old Testament, it's like leaflets. But, there's, but the Old Testament isn't, hey, the war is over. The Old Testament is saying, hey, someone's coming. Good news is on the way. It's not here yet, but good news is coming. So these leaflets are dropped. And... I love one of these leaflets. It's, it's in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. And we all know this verse. You know, for unto us a child is born. This is prophesying about the coming of Jesus 700 years before he arrives on the scene. And they call him. It says, he, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then it goes on to say of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. Who is this Jesus that, they, that was prophesied about? They call him the Prince of Peace. And the increase of his peace, there will be no end. Leaflets. Someone's coming. And then, there's this great leaflet in Luke chapter 2. Christmas. And... An angel appears to the shepherds in the field and the angel says to them, don't be afraid for behold, I bring you good news. Hey, this is, this is a great leaflet that you're, you're receiving right now. Great news, good news of great joy, which will be for everyone. Today in the city of David, there's been born for you a saviour who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you will find a baby and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, 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 peace among men with whom he's pleased. Peace, leaflet, good news. Peace, peace. More leaflets. I love in John chapter 20. You know, this is Jesus has been around for a while. 
one of the big leaflets. I mean, Jesus walks the earth. He performs miracles. He does all these incredible things. Jesus is here. The good news is here. Jesus, this, this anointed one of God, has lived the life you and I should have lived. He's died the death we should have died. The good news is here. He hangs on a cross, and you know what his last words are on that cross? It's finished. The war is over. It's done. The war, the enmity between you and God is over. The enmity between you and everyone else is over. It's finished. Can we give Jesus a round of applause here this morning? You have peace with God. And that temp, the temple veil, which signified that enmity, that war, that separation, that division, is torn from the top to the bottom. Another leaflet. The war is over. War is over. Three days later, Jesus rises from the dead and his disciples are in a locked room. And he appears in their midst and you know what his first words to them are. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. You know what the second thing he says to them is? Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Man, it's good news. It's good news. It's not good advice. Good advice says, hey, there's something more for you to do. Good news says it's already been done. Good advice says, yeah, you keep fighting that war. And hope and try and work really hard and maybe you'll get on okay. Good news says, hey, you don't have to. It's been done for you. Good news is that salvation, peace with God, relationship with God has been achieved, has been received, sorry. It doesn't have to be achieved. It's received from him. It's received from God. Can we give Jesus a mighty hand here this morning? <laughs> Romans 6.4, another great leaflet. Actually, before I say that, Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 to 22. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. This is Jesus he's talking about. And through him to reconcile to him all things, whether things on the earth or in heaven, by making peace. Through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that you are holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation? Or are you still fighting a war? Do you believe that this morning? Holy in his sight. You are righteous, holy, blameless, without accusation. 
Good news. It's amazing news. It's incredible news. Do you believe it this morning or are you still fighting for those things? Fighting, trying to achieve those things. Maybe you believe that on a Sunday, but by Tuesday, no, nah, we've, we've relented back and we're, we've got the fight back into us and we're going and trying to prove ourselves or justify ourselves. Or maybe we're still at war with each other because we haven't nece- this hasn't necessarily sunk from our head to our heart. And we find ourselves on the defensive, on the offensive with other people. And when someone says a word to us, it cuts us so deep because we don't believe that we're forgiven. We don't believe that we're righteous. We don't believe that we're free from accusation. And so we go around acting like we're not. But the reality is we are, and we're fighting a war that was long, that was won so long ago by Jesus Christ. And you and I are free, and we are righteous, and we are blameless and free from every accusation of the enemy. Do we believe that this morning? You know, the leaflets, the leaflets get dropped and sometimes, you know, someone picks it up and says, no, this is propaganda. I will not believe this. And we, you know, sometimes we call those people atheists and we pray for them. But my, my real concern is, is us, like Christians who sit in church week to week and um, get the leaflets. And I mean, we, we look at it and go, yeah, I believe this in my head but it hasn't necessarily permeated my heart or um, some of us coming to church who, who really want want to believe this and you know what there's grace for that there's grace for that and if you keep pressing in and seeking God this revelation will become true in your heart And some of us who, when things are going well, man, this leaflet is brilliant. I believe every word of it when things are going well. But when things are going tough, well, I don't know. I'm starting to get a bit sceptical. Maybe it is fabricated. Maybe we, like I said before, we believe it on a Sunday, but by Wednesday we're engaged in a battle again. And so what do we do? What do we do? Why? Want to ask yourselves why? Like, come on, it's a good question to be asking. If the war is over and we have peace with God and we have peace with each other, why are we raging so much of the time? Why why does it seem like we are engaged in a battle most of our lives? What do we do about that? We seem, I mean, on the face of it, we've got circumstantial peace in our nation and like relatively speaking we're we're the healthiest and wealthiest generation that's ever lived on the earth and so we've got that kind of circumstantial peace and that's not to discount that we have our own personal storms that come and rage and all that but um we've got general peace in our in our country but i don't know why is it that anxiety levels seem to be surging now i'm no expert in this but I find it fascinating that, that it is. That in, a, in a time when we are healthier and wealthier and all that than we've ever been, it seems like anxiety levels and depression and those things are just on the up. It's like, why? What war are we engaged in? 
Why are we engaged in a war that's already been won by Jesus? I think our lack of peace is symptomatic of our need for faith. We need that faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the leaflet, the ultimate leaflet. And I, you know, I love what, what Paul says. And he says, you know, be anxious for nothing, Philippians chapter 4, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Who wants that peace that surpasses all understanding? What an incredible thing, that peace that surpasses all understanding. Like, it's so amazing. This peace that I'm feeling is so amazing. It surpasses all my understanding when we lean not on our own understanding, but trust in him. And I really, like, the more I go through life, the more this scripture just seems more and more real, that it is by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, by just making that space, that time to sit and receive him who is peace. And I'm telling you, I've tried other things, right? Like, I've, I've been in those seasons where I'm like, no, nah, got no peace. All I need is, is a holiday. <laughs> I just, I'm so desperate for a holiday. I need a holiday. That's what I need. And I have the two-week holiday, and it's the most stressful time of my life. <laughs> and then I'll spend three minutes with God, set that space aside to spend three minutes with him. And that three minutes of peace is so much more powerful, so much more transformative, so much more life-changing than a decade-long holiday on a tropical island somewhere. And I want to encourage us this morning that that space has to be created. And sometimes we think of prayer as this um, thing we have to do in a, in a certain way. But no, just create, create a space, whatever that space looks like for you. Um, we've spoken about storms a lot this, this morning. And we, there was a storm that came through our area a couple of months ago. And um, we heard this loud bang in our house. And um, I might invite the band to come while we're talking about this. And then... Um, our TV actually blew up in our living room. And I know, it was like, oh, far out. But you know what? We were actually like, yes! <laughs> because we'd actually been having this war with our TV for about a year now. So we know that the television is something that, like, robs us of peace. And it, and it, it contends for that time. And, you know, it's just so easy for me to come home and want to watch TV after a stressful day. And so we, we trialled this thing where we'd put the TV in the back shed and then when we want to watch it, we'd bring it out and watch it and then put it back. And so that was just getting too hard. So God blew it up. <laughs> but it's good because we have, we now have, like, we create that space now where we do these, we do meditations at night. And it's like, just create that space with God. And the peace that comes in those moments is so powerful because in that time, it's like you're just looking at the leaflet again. 
You know, sometimes you just need to sit with the leaflet again. And go, oh, I need to be reminded. Man, because things are coming at you every day, yelling in your face, saying the war is not over. Get up and fight. Get your anxious self up. And with your anxiety, go out there and fight. Things will yell at you every day to do that. But just sitting with the leaflet and going, hey, ah, that's right. That's right. The war's over. Man, imagine we could get up every morning and believe that the war's over. The war is over. He won it. We have peace. Anxiety doesn't rule. His peace rules. He says this. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift. John 14, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. We can actually live like that. And I know sometimes we think that, we, we look at that and think, yeah, right, you know, you know metaphors and hyperbole and, um, you know, unlikely or maybe for a select few. But no, that's for every one of us. I'm leaving you. Not just Paul and not just Henry or Margaret. I'm leaving you with a gift of a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. And you know those people who you've seen who have that peace, you know, and they're the most inspiring people you ever meet. Because no matter what's happening, they have that smile on their face and that look in their eyes and you know that there's something different about them on the inside because they know the war's over and that whatever's happening is just happening and it's they're not it's not real to them their circumstances aren't speaking louder than the leaflet the leaflet speaks louder than anything else that's going on and one such person Horatio Safford, 1873. He's a lawyer like me. He has a great practice. He has a lot of wealth. He lives in Chicago. And the Chicago fire, the great Chicago fire comes through, tears through everything he owns. All his, his practice, all his properties, everything. After that turmoil, he says, okay, he's got four girls, a boy and a wife. The boy passes away. He's left with a wife and four daughters. He says, okay, these, we've had a tough time. We need, we need some peace. Let's, I'm going to send my wife and kids to England on a break. They get on a boat. The boat hits another boat. The kids are thrown into the water. Four girls drown. He gets a telegram. He's in America. He gets a telegram from his wife in England. And it says, saved alone. On his way, on another boat to go and bring her back, he writes the hymn that we all know, It Is Well with my soul and it starts with 
when peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. What peace. What amazing peace that a man could so believe the leaflet, lose everything, lose five children, and still say, it is well with my soul. What incredible peace, what incredible faith, what incredible trust. And that is available for you and for me.